0: Hey there, everybody. Uh, this is a cool little show we're going to have. It's called GMs for Hire. Uh, this is the pilot episode. My name is RJ. Uh, I'm joined by Matt. We've got Will. We've got Jamil on the call here. Just a bunch of sports guys. We want to talk about sports. We need an outlet to do it. I think this is uh, going to work. Uh, leave feedback. You know, we, we're open. Uh, we've never done anything like this before. We're gonna, you know, just kind of wing it and see how this goes. Uh, this past weekend was the NFL draft. Uh, that's obviously the big talking point, especially during this quarantine with no other sports going on right now. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about the, uh, NFL draft and our biggest takeaways. Uh, we, we can start with a recap. Uh, will go ahead and, uh, leave us off here with a, recap of you know some of the top picks
1: and if they fit or not well i think to start off with the the 2020 nfl draft first off being a virtual draft it was very interesting to see because this was brand new for a lot of people it was really weird not to see the picks come up to the stage with their jerseys and their hats and everything such as that everybody's back at home everybody it was just a different look for everybody but i think it was uh very interesting for a lot of people a lot of people were very entertained completely away from the picks a lot of people were entertained by Roger Goodell, how he was just standing up sometimes, and then he was laying down on his couch eating M&Ms. Um, and then it, he almost seemed drunk part of the time, but you know, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, he, he definitely was starting to slur some words and stuff, probably sipping some rum and coke. But um, as, as the draft was going on, whenever it first started, like uh, I think the first couple picks were just as, as followed. I think one through six were very obvious um, to go from Joe Burrow and then uh, number two being Chase Young. I think this was all obvious. Uh, Andrew Thomas' offensive line was definitely an issue for the Giants. Um, at number four, it was a number four pick off the top of my head. Why do I not remember? The number four oh, no, pick. I'm thinking of Jeffrey Okuda. I forgot Jeffrey Okuda at three. Um, and then Andrew Thomas at four. Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert. I think that was all very obvious. Um, I was kind of interested to see Derek Brown go at seven um, instead of Isaiah Simmons, but. Nonetheless, I mean, uh, a lot of the picks in the first round really went as followed. Um, I think there were a little couple first picks, first round picks that really kind of, you know, kind of shot me different. Wasn't really uh, excited to see a couple of the names called. But nonetheless, I think, honestly, the first round went about as easy as it could get. Like, it, it really seemed like every team just fit their need. Not too many trades happened. Nothing really too crazy. This was the first time since 2015 that there were no draft picks traded in the first 10 picks. So I think everything was just kind of, as, as is, everything was just kind of went pretty smooth.
0: So you mentioned how some of the draft picks kind of – it was a weird – some of the picks were kind of out of order. Do we all – does anybody think that Henry Ruggs should have been the first wide receiver drafted, Jamil?
2: Um, no, honestly, I don't think he should been the first wide receiver drafted. I think it should have came down to his teammate Jerry Judy or Oklahoma CeeDee Lamb. I think both of them showed that they were the better receivers in college – through their body of work. What Ruggs does have, though, is the speed. And we all know that the Raiders love their speed going back to the Al Davis era where they picked Darius Hayward Bay in the top ten. So I don't think we should be surprised by anything the Raiders do. They clearly have some a plan that we don't know about with the way they've been drafting. We'll talk more about that later. But no, I don't think he should have been the first, but good for him to get it started.
0: Yeah, it seems the Raiders are pretty intent on just drafting Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State guys, you know, whoever makes the playoff or gets close to the playoff. The Raiders are just going to take all your guys, uh, which isn't a bad, you know, way to go because, I mean, they got to the playoff for a reason, right? So, uh, so let's start. What else surprised you about the first round,
3: Matt? Uh, what surprised me about the first round uh, for sure would be Andrew Thomas going fourth. Um, he does fill a need for the Giants, uh, and he'll be able to create good seams for uh, Saquon Barkley, of course, but he was not one of the higher-ranked. O lineman. He, I, I believe, he was top five, but I expected someone more like uh, Mikay Becton or um, someone of that nature to go, uh, go before him at least.
1: Uh, that, that I was, uh, I was shocked to see that Jedrick Wills wasn't the first offensive tackle off the board. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought, I thought it, it was all Alabama from the start. I, I thought Jedrick Wills was by far going to be the number one off, but I mean, I've been wrong before. No,
0: th- this draft was different. We had the four elite tackles. And I don't think anybody had the same order as, like, who's the best? Yeah, agreed. Best. I don't
2: think anybody agreed either. I mean,
0: you had everybody just all over the place. I know I love people him. loved Makai Becton's size, but then when you look at pro football focus, they didn't even have him ranked in their top 50 as far as prospects. So size is obviously something you can't teach, and I know teams fell in love with that, especially the Jets, which I'm going to get to later. Um, but, yeah, it, th- this was a very interesting draft. I believe because of the lack of the meetings and stuff, because of the current climate we're in, very few guys had pro days, couldn't do visits, things like that. I think you had a wide range of opinions because it's all tape. The, The big thing was the tape and then the combine, but there just weren't those extra meetings, those extra pro days, all the extra stuff that GMs and coaches are used to doing. They didn't have that this year. And I think that's why we saw such a wide range of opinions with Henry Ruggs being the first receiver. Like, all we heard was that Jerry Judy was the best route runner maybe ever. And then you can't argue with what C.D. Lamb's production was at Oklahoma. But somehow Henry Ruggs was drafted before both of them. And then, like you mentioned, with Andrew Thomas being the first tackle, everybody had a different order. It seems like the quarterbacks were the only position that everybody knew the order. And had a pretty clear cut as who was the best, second, third, all that. So, that, that's for
3: that's for the first round at least um, when it comes to quarterbacks. But um, I think we should move more into like uh, team team building. I do think no matter the order, many teams did get things they needed. Um, we could start there. Um,
0: yeah. So, as far as the teams go, who would you say Matt would be your biggest winner and your biggest loser? from the draft.
3: Biggest winner, I'm gonna have to go to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just I'm so high on C D Lamb. Um he's a fantastic talent. He knows how to win. Um and honestly I think with the addition of C D Lamb it might be a hot take. But I think Dak Prescott can become an elite quarterback with the addition of C D Lamb. He's had his weapons. He had Michael Gallup who had a big season. Um he had Amari Cooper who just re-signed but uh, Lamb was a fantastic pick, and I'd say another weapon that they needed. Um, moving past the first round, they had Trayvon Diggs in the second round, a corner from Alabama. He's also a known winner, and he does fill a need. They have uh, The Cowboys haven't really had—I mean, I, I don't think they've had a good defense in years since, like, the DeMarcus Ware days. So them going Diggs in the second round, and then defensive tackle uh, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma as well, I'm sorry, uh, in the third round. You know, these are big needs, and I think uh, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys filled them very well.
0: Yeah, I think Jerry Jones should be really happy. I mean, C.D. Lamb fell right in his lap, and Trayvon Diggs probably should have been a first-round pick. And the fact that he was there in the second round, and then in the third round with Gallimore, after you already signed Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe on the defensive line this offseason, to add Neville Gallimore, yeah, they're, they're really building that defense, and it in, is. In in a year where they're not sure if they want to pay Dak or not, there's no excuses now. I think Dak has everything in front of him. There's no excuse. You've got star running back. You've got a really, really good receiving core. He's got the offensive line that we know about. I think it's all on Dak now. Uh, Will, what do you think for biggest winner and biggest loser from the draft?
1: If I had to pick a winner, uh, personally, I'm going Carolina, I think they focused i mean obviously there's no thinking about it they completely annihilated the defensive need that they had i mean when you looked at their team needs it probably went from linebacker to secondary to d line i mean they they needed complete a defensive like reboot basically they needed to get rid of most of their personnel they needed to get new faces in there at least people who could compete for reps and that's exactly what they did every single pick they took was defensive uh, from Derek brown uh, they also uh, got Jeremy Chin. I want to say in this sec- – was it the second or the third round they took Chin at SIU? Se- uh, second, second round. round. Uh, I know they had uh, more picks in there defensively. It just seemed like they did everything they could. Uh, Yatir Grossmatos, I know they also took for the edge. That defensive line is going to be terrifying now with Brian Burns, on Short. That team's going to be electric, and they're going to get to quarterbacks fast. And especially now, um, if you look in that division – That division has very standstill quarterbacks such as Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. If they're going to have defensive prowess to be able to get to the quarterbacks so quickly, it could be a big step up because I think their offense was in a point to where it just needed to develop together. With Teddy Bridgewater, they have Christian McCaffrey, and they have that young receiving core with DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, um, a lot of young pieces to where they could actually put stuff together. Um, I just think that the defense needed to bring in new personnel, and that's exactly what they did. Um, when I'm looking at a loser, uh, I'm thinking of my my big fandom myself, the Chicago Bears. I think we couldn't have done much worse. Um, I think we we have 10 tight ends on our roster now. Yes, that's going to get cut down. But whenever we're looking at the second round, um, of course, not having a first round pick, is a, it, it sucks. But whenever you get to the second round and then your big need being secondary and you take Cole Komet. It, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. We just gave Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Graham a big contract in the offseason. We needed wide receiver help. We needed secondary help. You could argue that we needed a quarterback. I think that's kind of obvious. Um, but granted, I don't think this is the draft to do it, at least not in the second round. But it, tied in was definitely not the need at, at the first pick that we had. And then we go and take Jalen Johnson. It's not a bad pick. But we really desperately needed offensive line help as well, and we don't pick those up until the later rounds. Um, People who are probably just going to sit at backup, be depth positions at that point. uh, I I just think the Bears had an opportunity to pick a lot better picks, and they kind of flopped on it.
0: I have never in in my life heard of a team having 10 tight ends.
2: Neither have I.
0: I mean, that's literally insane. Uh, so, yeah, when the Bears picked the tight end, that was, that was definitely a head-scratcher for most people. Jamil, what about
2: you? Um, for me, my biggest winner is going to be the Minnesota Vikings. Um, their offseason started off with a bang. They went ahead and cut Xavier Rhodes. They traded Stephon Diggs. And in the draft, they answered both those needs right off the bat. At pick 22, they went and got Justin Jefferson out of LSU, a great slot receiver that's going to be able to bounce off of Adam Thielen between going to the slot and going to the boundary. I think he's going to be great after the catch with Kirk Cousins. And their second pick in the first round, they traded back with the Niners. Witten got Jeff Gladley, one of the better corners in this draft. He's been battle-tested. He's playing in the Big 12. We all know they put up numbers. They play no defense. But he was one of the few that actually played some defense, went up against some of the better receivers in the conference, like Denzel Mims, who went to the Jets in this draft. Then after that, they went and got Ezra Cleveland, one of the better tackles in this draft. They went back and got another corner in Cameron Dratzler. And then they got two great defensive guys in James Lynch and Troy Dye. I think the Vikings killed this draft, um, and showing a division rival the Packers, who didn't have such a great draft, who we'll talk much more about later, it just puts the Vikings in a much more better position to take control of their division, and we also saw the Bears have a not-so-great draft, so the Vikings look like they look to be the clear front runners over there in their division, and my biggest loser of the day, or for the whole draft, would be the Las Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders. They started off with Henry Ruggs, who we already talked about. That was the decision that we didn't agree on, but we can see why they did it. But after that, I feel like they had a couple of head-scratching picks. They went and got Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, a gimmick player. We don't know if he's going to play quarterback, running back, receiver. And they picked him in the third round. I don't know if that was necessarily a great decision on their part. After that, they went ahead and got Tanner Hughes from Clemson. Um, he was a good player at Clemson. We all know they love Clemson players. But was he necessarily the right pick there to be a starting safety in the NFL? I don't know. Um, they clearly have a strategy that – we don't necessarily know about, so it'll be a matter of time until we see how that pans out for them.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people did not agree with the Damon Arnett pick either. I think most people had him as a second-round player. Maybe yeah, little.
2: I think that was a slight reach on their part, but yeah. he's still a good corner, so we'll see what they're going to do there.
0: Yeah, see, I think Damon Arnett's a pretty good player too, um, but the fact that he was gone before you know, other DBs, you know, like Trevon Diggs, even Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield, players like that, I think most people did not see that coming. I, I didn't see very many mock drafts that had Damon Arnett going
1: in the first round. It uh, goes back to what you were saying with the, with this. A lot of the positions were really neck and neck. A lot of people may have uh, Damon Arnett in their top five. Uh, personally, I thought he was below. I thought he was around like quarterback eight for me. Like I, I, I saw Fulton above him. I saw Terrell above him. I saw um, uh, Diggs above him. I, I, I just saw a lot of people going before Arnett and it could just be my what I've seen off tape, but I personally I just thought Arnett was a little bit lower for me. And so whenever I saw them go cornerback, it's a desperate need for them. But I thought whenever there was still Fulton on the board, there was still Diggs on the board. Um, des- I, I think those are all second round names. But I was shocked to see Arnett go in the first. Yeah, yeah, that was
0: that was definitely an interesting pick. Uh, you mentioned the Minnesota Vikings and how they traded Stephon Diggs. And that leads into my biggest winner. The Buffalo Bills absolutely killed this offseason. I know we're focusing on the draft, but really I have to look at the entire offseason for Buffalo. Your first-round pick was essentially Stephon Diggs. They traded the first-round pick for him. That's essentially your first-round pick. Then they go out and they signed Mario Addison from Carolina. They signed Josh Norman from Washington, who I know most people think is a little washed up, but the last time he played under Sean McDermott He was an all-pro, and Carolina played in the Super Bowl. So if they can get him back to being what he should be, buffalo got a great pick there. Uh, As far as the draft, getting A.J. Epinesa in the second round, I thought most people believed he was going to be a first-round pick. And for him to be coming off that other edge with Mario Addison, who I think is very underrated, coming off the other side, Buffalo's got a scary defense now. Like, they really do. Uh, They went and drafted Gabe Davis out of UCF, they needed receivers. I mean, they they had the worst receiving core, I believe, in the NFL before this offseason. Uh, I was looking at some numbers the other day, and their third leading receiver was their tight end, and he had 300 yards. That's your third best receiver last year had 300 yards. That's not going to win you very many games. And when you have a young quarterback like Josh Allen, we know he can move. We know he can run, things like that. He's going to need to throw. And for you to go get Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, a big body, you know, you can put out there, that they have just killed him. And I personally am a big Jake Fromm guy. I don't think he's going to come in and challenge Josh Allen from the starting job necessarily. But I mentioned Josh Allen being a very mobile guy. And we know things happen in the NFL. You know, and if he falls wrong or gets hit weird, Jake Fromm is a great backup quarterback, and I believe he's going to be a backup quarterback for a long time in the NFL, Um, the fact that Jacob Eason and the FIU quarterback, James Morgan, the fact that both of those guys were drafted before Jake Fromm, to me, it's just, it's insane. Jake Fromm is the reason that Jacob Eason had to transfer, because Jacob Eason couldn't beat him out from the starting job. Uh, As far as James Morgan, look at FIU's competition, it's nowhere near Georgia's competition. And I understand Jake Fromm maybe didn't put up the flashy Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow numbers, but this guy that Georgia was 11 and one going to the SEC championship just about every year. And he's the quarterback of that team. He must be pretty good. Maybe he's not that dynamic playmaker guy, but he's not losing you football games either. Um, and as far as losers, speaking of quarterbacks, man, Aaron Rodgers had a bad week. He, uh, to start in the first round, this is a guy who's 36 years old, or he's going to be 36 when the season starts. To go out and go ahead and draft his replacement, his supposed replacement in Jordan Love, uh, That wow. I really thought they would kind of try to build around Aaron Rodgers and really go for it one more time. Uh, but apparently the Packers have other thoughts. Matt LaFleur is not on the same page as Aaron Rodgers. Um, since Aaron Rodgers took over as a starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, the Packers have not drafted a skill position player in the first round. Come on, no receivers, no running backs, no tight ends in the first round since you've had Aaron Rodgers. I understand when you have an elite quarterback, you expect him to elevate the play of the people around him. But wow, he's not Houdini. Like, he's going to need help. And you can't keep giving him Jeff Janice, Geronimo Allison, people like that. Like, give this guy stud. He's got Devontae Adams. I. He's a top 10 receiver for me, not top five. Uh, but, man, give him something else. Like, who else is Aaron Rodgers supposed to throw the ball to? He can't. But he can turn around and give it to Aaron Jones, which, by the way, he's a good player. What are you doing drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round? Are we, are we trying to have a, double, a double-headed backfield now? Like, that's not an extra weapon for Rodgers to throw to. That's a guy that now Aaron Jones has got to look behind him, look over his shoulder. I I don't know what kind of message Matt LaFleur is trying to send to that offense. Uh, They made it to the NFC Championship last year, which is a lot farther than I thought they were going to go. I thought that is the worst 13-win team I've ever seen in my life. That was insane. They should be happy with as far as they got. I think I would just try to build around Rodgers and maybe go for it one more time, like the Saints are doing with Drew Brees going and getting Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I mean, the Bucks went and got Brady, and we've got the weapons around him. Most teams, when you have an aging quarterback, you build around him. And it seems like the Packers are already trying to move off of him. So that was that was a huge shock to me. And Aaron Rodgers has to be a loser in this. Um, that's that was just wow. Um, next yeah. week, I
1: Harvey. saw a stat that there were thirty-six wide receivers taken, and not a single one taken by the Green Bay Packers. How can you do that?
2: Yeah, the you Packers are an obvious need that they failed to address in
1: this draft. You mean to tell me that at the in, in Green Bay they they looked at their roster and then they looked at the potential wide receiver prospects who I thought was one of the most stacked like stacked classes in a long time. You can get receivers in the fifth, sixth rounds and be satisfied with them. And yeah. I think teams like Cleveland did that, G- getting Donovan Peoples Jones in the sixth. Like there are wide receivers that went super late. And there were no reason not to get anybody. But you mean to tell me you can look at somebody with a six-round pick and see somebody like Donovan Peoples-Jones and go, nope, we'd rather have Jeff Janis. Like, what is that thought process?
0: I don't – and you have guys that went really late, like Gabe Davis that I mentioned in Buffalo. And how about K.J. Hill in Baltimore? How is K.J. Hill a seventh-round pick? Like, you're telling me the Packers didn't want any of those guys to give to Aaron Rodgers? Like, that's, that's very questionable. To me. Speaking of KJ Hill, this is going to lead us into our biggest reach and our biggest steal of the draft. And I've already mentioned mine. KJ Hill going in the seventh round to the Baltimore Ravens, insane. Basically, what I said about Josh Allen, we know he can move. We know he can do this and that. You need to give him some people to throw the ball to. I felt the same way about Lamar Jackson because I thought outside of Hollywood Brown, I just wasn't really impressed with their receivers. Willie Sneed. He's just a guy for me. He's not a stud. He's not a star. They went out, got K.J. Hill. You also drafted J.K. Dobbins, who can catch some passes out of the backfield. But K.J. Hill going seventh round, that is an amazing steal. That guy is the all-time leader in receptions in the history of Ohio State football. Y'all realize Ohio State has had Ted Ginn, Chris Carter, Michael Thomas. No, K.J. Hill has more catches and he also has the sixth most receiving yards and the sixth most receiving touchdowns in the history of Ohio State football. That is a football factory, and the fact that this guy has put up those numbers, I was shocked that he was a seventh-round pick. I thought that was by far the biggest steal. Uh, As far as reach, I believe the Jets kind of reached on Makai Beckham. I kind of mentioned it earlier. Makai Beckham was ranked outside of the top 50 for pro football focus and their list of prospects. The Jets are another team with a young quarterback that... Who is Sam Darnold throwing the ball to this year? I'd love to Rashad
2: know. Rashad Perryman Robbie Anderson? Rashad
0: Perryman is their number one.
3: Robbie Anderson. Robbie he's Anderson. gone. On the he's Carolina.
0: gone? So, we, huh? Yeah, he's on the Carolina Panthers now.
3: I did not. I completely missed that move.
0: <laughs> the Jets have a... Huge need. And I understand you want to protect the young quarterback with back then who's a huge guy. But man, what is Sam Darnold supposed to do when he does get the ball? Who's he throwing it to? That that was all three receivers were still on the board. The the three first round, the, the top three, you know, Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb. All three of those guys were there. And you're taking a tackle that Pro Football Focus, who is trusted by many, doesn't even think is in the top 50 prospects. That was a reach for me. um I do think Beckton can be good because you can't teach size, and the guy's just an
3: animal um but that
0: was that was a little questionable for me uh Matt I know what what do you think as far as reach and steal?
3: um well first if i if I could uh talk about Becton a little bit to counter your argument um although there were good wide receivers available, um we saw rugs go right after him and a bunch of others uh. Even further past. But his size is nearly unmatched. He's 6'7, 364. It's a big guy. Um, You gave Le'Veon Bell all this money, um, and you're going to need linemen to create, to open holes for him, to create seams. And I think that's just something he can do. Um, I think he has the potential to develop into an elite pass blocker, even, and his run game's already developed pretty well. Um, And the Jets O line allowed 52 sacks last year. You know, Darnold might not have the best players to throw to, but you can't throw the ball if you're sacked. So, getting Becton, I could see their thought process behind it. Um, it'll help Bell get better, and it'll keep D- uh, Darnold uh, give him a little bit more time. But um, my reach was Brandon Ayuk. He went uh, 25th to the 49ers. Um, Arizona State product, I believe. Um, you Know it, it's not a bad pick, and I think they do. Um, you know, they didn't need a wide receiver. Or, oh, I'm sorry, he, he went second round. Okay, hold on. They took Kinlaw instead with the first round selection, and they went Ayuk in the second. I'm sorry,
2: they um, traded up they, into the first round to grab him.
3: That's yeah. right, that's right. I, I got my notes all messed up, but um, which isn't bad. Uh, Kinlaw was not a bad pick, and I think it'll help their defense, but I think. Their defense isn't what lost them the Super Bowl. I think it was their offense. And um, where Kinlaw was in the draft, you still had Jefferson, Lamb. You still had a bunch of good wide receivers available. Um, but you went, but they went Kinlaw, which isn't necessarily that bad. Um, after this pick, they traded for Marquise. Uh, they traded Marquise Goodwin, um, which I guess you could say opens a hole for Ayu. But I don't see him being anything amazing, at least not for the first couple of years. Um, He was third-team All-American this year, but as an all-purpose player, so I'd probably see him on kick returns the most. But, you know, um, Garoppolo, I'm I'm sure, will be able to use him somehow, but I wasn't too high on him, and I think he could have waited a little bit to get there.
0: Yeah, I I definitely think T. Higgins should have been drafted above Brandon Ayuk, and the fact that they took Ayuk instead of a guy that's... That's interesting. So, you your tea, definitely reach. Uh, as far, who is who would be your uh, steal of the draft, though, Matt?
3: My steal is um, Ezra Cleveland for, uh, uh, the Vikings. Picked the offensive tackle. Um, he actually did more than just playing ability. He actually saves uh, the Vikings quite a bit of money, and uh, you don't have to waste draft picks because uh, the they wanted Trent Williams originally. But they couldn't get him, so they wound up picking Cleveland in the second round. He's six six, three eleven. Boise State, the competition's not that amazing. But he was third among offensive linemen with a four nine three forty yard dash. He's quick. He gets off the block really well. Um, he uh, has a pretty high ceiling, I'd say. And within a couple of years, um, you could be looking at another elite lineman in the league.
1: Yeah. What you got for us, Will? Uh, me personally, uh, my for my sleeper, it's not the it's not the most sexy pick. It's not anything that's going to really, you know, get anything going for you. You're not going to think anything much of it. But I went with Tyler Biadash going to the Cowboys in the fourth round, pick number forty of the round. I thought it was really amazing for them to get such a high-profile center coming out. There were center wasn't exactly the most stacked position in this draft class. I feel like it was Cesar Ruiz. And a few other names, Biadash was in there. Um, but I know at the beginning of the year, one of the most highly touted offensive linemen coming out uh, of Wisconsin, very highly touted among the center position. And I think this is a big need for Dallas, especially with Travis Frederick just re- announcing his retirement. Uh, I think going into the fourth round, having Biadash slip all that way and to be able to still bite on him and get him, I think that's a huge pickup. Uh, it keeps that offensive line for Dallas really solid. Um, still, it's it's been one of their staples. They've always been known to have that huge, strong offensive line, and I think they're going to keep it going with Tyler Biedash. Um For me, the reach, I think it was A.J. Terrell uh, at pick number 16 in round one to the Atlanta Falcons. I saw a couple cornerbacks that I liked a little bit better. I like Christian Fulton. I liked uh, Trevon Diggs. I think those were um, big. I think, I think they had a little bit of a step up on A.J. Terrell. Um, I liked AJ Terrell in the first round, but I think with the options that you had, I I think it could have been a better pick, and I feel like cornerback was definitely a positional need for Atlanta, Um, but I just feel uh, it was a head-scratcher for me. I was trying to predict, as I was watching the first round, I was trying to predict who was going where, and whenever I saw uh, the Atlanta Falcons come up, my first thought was Christian Fulton. I don't know why my head immediately went to Christian Fulton. I know that. Mid-first round was still uh, a little high for him uh, with a lot of teams, but I don't see why they didn't just trade back, maybe. Um, I I just thought 16 was too high of a number for me. I like him going to Atlanta, and I like that they addressed their need, but I thought the spot was just way too far. I think they could have traded back, uh, accumulated a bit more picks, and still been able to get their guy if this is the guy they really wanted.
0: Yeah, I definitely think they could have traded back and still got their guy. I don't, I don't know that anybody else would have, you know, had to jump up and take him. Uh, Jamil, what you got
2: for us? Um, my biggest winner is going to be Josh Jones, the offensive tackle out of Houston, going to the Arizona Cardinals in the third round. At uh, some points in this draft process, people had Jones going in the back half of the first round, possibly going over Austin Jackson. They had him possibly being an early second-round pick. But here he falls all the way to the third to a team that desperately needs offensive line help to help keep Kyler Murray running to run that well-oiled machine the offense looks to be this season. So Jones can come in and immediately plug in one of the tackle spots and help be a building block on that offense. That should be very exciting. Um, my biggest reach of the draft is going to be round one pick 30 to the Miami Dolphins going with Noah Egbignone. I probably butchered his name, the corner out of Auburn. Um, he's a very fast man. The man guy he will probably play in the slot for Miami. But my problem with the pick was the Dolphins this offseason went ahead and paid Byron Jones to be one of the most expensive corners of all time. Last year they locked up Xavier Howard. So they already had their two corners locked up. So I was a little surprised they went corner here in the first round when they could have went either running back with a DeAndre Swift type, even though running backs the first round seem to be voodoo magic these days. Um, They could have went with a D and AJ Espinoza, but they went ahead and they doubled back later in the draft by trading for Matt Breida and they got Curtis Weaver later in the draft. So they covered both those bases So they clearly like this pick, but I just feel like they probably could have went to a different spot earlier than corner, having already addressed that in the past two offseasons.
1: They could have even, add on to that, they could have even had their choice at running back. No running back had been taken so
2: far. Oh, yeah, I was very surprised they didn't pick a running back with all the struggles they had there last year, playing three to four different guys and no one even rushing for over 400, 500 yards. I really thought they were going to target one early. But like I said, they went ahead and got Matt Breida for a fifth later in the draft, a pair of Jordan Howard. So they clearly had a plan, but I was I was surprised they didn't pick a running back at that time.
0: Yeah, corner was definitely a questionable pick there because, like you said, they've already paid Byron Jones and Xavier Howard a ton of money. Like they've got to be two of the highest paid corners in the league, I believe. That's to yeah. take one in the first round. And 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 let's be honest, you look at that division, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Bills, none of those receiving cores really scare you, right? Like it's not like we're talking about the NFC South with all those receivers. Because, I mean, you look at what, what the receivers are in the NFC South, you can never have too many DBs to try to cover all those guys. The AFC East, though, it's not really a receiver. I know I talked about the Bills earlier. They got a couple guys. But, man, other than that, I, yeah, I, I didn't think the, the Dolphins needed to go cornerback there. Uh, I definitely thought they should have gone running back. You got Tua. You got, hopefully, your franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. Give him a security blanket he can you know, hand the ball off to. Uh, while he's still rehabbing. Um.
3: I, def- I definitely agree that they should have drafted a running back. Um, I do think that would help Tua a lot, take some of the pressure off of him. Uh, but Howard did miss 11 games last season with a knee injury. So although the corner pick could have waited, it's not the worst idea. Um, you know, Noah Noah starting as a number three isn't the worst start. But you can learn a lot from Howard and Jones. Um that's a security blanket in its own for the uh, no, I
2: think picking a nickel cornerback in the first round isn't the best use of a first round pick. Yeah.
1: No, Especially, I, I think I think the worst team need they had was that offensive line. I think that offensive line was absolutely brutal. I mean, this was probably, if not the worst, one of the worst offensive lines in NFL history. I mean, they gave up sack after sack after sack. And I mean, no quarterback's going to be able to have any time. And even taking Tua, Tua is a great pick, your franchise quarterback, as you said, RJ. But if you don't have enough time and he's already got a bad hip, I mean, yeah, he can recover and everything from it. But those aren't injuries that go away and you come back 100 percent. That's something that's going to linger with you, you know. And if you don't have time to throw it to anybody, what are you going to do? And they I I don't remember. uh, I don't remember exactly if they addressed offensive line much, but. I mean, it's something they – I know they took Austin Jackson uh, in the middle of the first round, but after that, like, I mean, they they need more than him. They desperately need more than him. They went with
2: Robert Hunt, the guard, in the the second round.
0: Yeah. I don't hate the Austin Jackson pick because CeeDee Lamb was taken one pick before. Because if Dallas would have passed on CeeDee Lamb, I would have loved for Miami to go ahead and give Tua a number one because I know they have Devontae Parker, but really nothing else excites me in their receiver. Yeah, team. that would
2: have been hard for them to pass up. And I, I honestly thought they could have gone receiver at at 18 over Austin Jackson, and then he came back at 30, or traded up from 30, to get either Jackson or Jones, who fell yeah. all the way to the third.
0: Yeah. So, as far as the draft, I believe we got that covered. Um, does anybody have any parting shots? Because we're going to have a, another little segment here called our Soapbox Segment. And I'm actually going to be leading it off. And it's actually a look at next year's draft. And kind of a potential pick that everybody seems to think is going to happen. Before I get into that, does anybody have any kind of first, like, last thought about this year's draft?
1: I, uh, I do have one. Uh, uh, Jamil, if you want to go ahead, go go on it.
2: My fault, my fault. But I was going to say, to counter y'all's point about Brandon Ayut going to the Niners, I think that was actually a great pick. For their system, I think he fits the team better than T Higgins would have been because in this Kyle Shanahan system, he wants guys that are going to get the ball. They're going to be able to run after the catch. Look at what they did with Debo Samuel last year. I think you will come in this year and play a similar role getting the ball and getting yards after the catch and helping out in the return game.
1: I was going to say uh, for anybody who, uh, you know, anybody who may be watching this or doesn't know us, we're all USF students. Uh, So uh, go Bulls loud and proud. But the our 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 our. Pride and our joy got absolutely screwed in this draft. Uh, Marlon Mack out of Indianapolis uh, was had an absolute career year last year. Uh, I want to say doubled his yard total um, uh, from any other three season. He got the most attempts he's ever had in a season. Uh, one touchdown short of tying his career record, short career only his third season. But he absolutely stood out. Um, I, I think he had an absolute breakout season, kind of primed himself. Uh, for a great career I think it was starting to step up Starting to take that RB1 role And then in the second round pick here, Boom, here comes Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor And I was just kind of shocked to see that pick Because I thought Indianapolis was loving it um, I It could be maybe just A a, a background kind of thing Because uh, Indianapolis does run a lot of running backs They had Jordan Wilkins They had um, I'm missing another one off the top of my head But I, think- I know that they. What was that? They had Naheem Hines. Na- Naeem Hines, yes, out of NC State. Yeah. Absolute like they had a three headed uh rushing attack and they, they'd yeah. switch out those running backs a lot. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor is supposed to be backup. I don't know if he's supposed to be starter, but I really it does from first glance to take a running back at, at the second round, especially when only one got taken in the first round, it almost seems like a smack in the face to Marlon Mack. Um and, and his his carries are I'd imagine gonna get cut in half. So I think he was kind of another big loser for me, and I, I wanted to get that off my chest because go Bulls. So. Yeah,
0: no, no, I agree. When I saw that, I immediately felt bad for him. That's uh, that's a shame because he did have a really good year. Matt, you got anything for us?
3: Uh, yeah, I want to mention the Baltimore Ravens because uh, in this draft, the rich did get richer, at least for Baltimore, and it starts with Patrick Queen going twenty eighth overall from LSU. Um, Baltimore has produced some great, linebackers over the years, Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, you know. Um, Ray Lewis, who still keeps close ties with the team, um, and I think can influence Patrick Queen a lot. Um, they ranked 21st in rushing defense last season. And uh, although they had a good season, that's definitely a weakness. Um, two of their linebackers, uh, Bynes and Onwouser, or whatever it is, um, Patrick something, didn't uh, re-sign. That's a rough last name. Yeah, it's rough. It happens. But... They drafted Queen. They added uh, Calais Campbell, who will definitely help the uh, pass rush. But uh, we saw LSU have- By the way, insane. Just-
0: All they had to give up for Calais Campbell was a fifth-round pick. Insane. Oh,
3: yeah. They definitely stole that, and that's going to do dividends for them um, and make them such uh, a much better team. But Patrick Queen's going to come in. He's going to be a day-one starter. Um, he's mostly known for run defense, but um, – with help from his defense that is developing, he can become a better pass rusher. And, uh, yeah, the Ravens just had a really good draft, honestly. Um, not many mistakes were made.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Getting J.K. Dobbins as a steal, he's going to be a future starter there for sure.
1: That guy – that was a – that was a- – and even RJ mentioned uh, going late in that rounds, K.J. Hill was a huge pick. And then I also felt like James Prochet at SMU. Oh, yeah,
2: that was an absolute
1: huge. steal. I, that's an absolute uh, – yeah, exactly. As Jamil said, absolute steal. I mean, he was phenomenal out of SMU. And the fact that – I mean, I thought it was even interesting to see James Prochet go before K.J. Hill. And the fact that Baltimore was able to sneak both of them, I mean, and quietly too on day three, just late picks. Phenomenal draft. Phenomenal
0: yeah, they, they did not miss. So, with the 2020 draft ending, we all know what this means. All eyes are on 2021, because that's what we are in America. We want things now. We need it. As soon as one thing ends, we got to have something else. And this is leading into our Soapbox segment that we are going to do every every episode here. And I'm going to start us off. Speaking of the 2021 draft, it is very, very clear who's going to be the number one pick, we believe. The Jacksonville Jaguars are doing everything in their power to just bottom out, be the worst team in the league, and make sure they have the rights to Trevor Lawrence. Like I mentioned to Matt, they traded Calais Campbell for a fifth round pick, cut Marquise Goodwin, no compensation there. They're trying to cut Leonard Fournette, they traded Nick Foles, they've traded Jalen Ramsey last year, They have gotten rid of basically the entire team that took them to the AFC Championship a couple years ago. Actually, I think only three starters remain from that team. That's insane. It is a clear vision that Jacksonville has. They want Trevor Lawrence. And I don't blame them. I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect that I've probably ever seen. I think he's better than Andrew Luck. I was only three years old when Peyton Manning was coming out, so I can't speak on him. Trevor Lawrence is the best college football quarterback that I've seen that's going to be draft eligible. When you're the best, you have all the leverage. And if I'm Trevor Lawrence, there is a 0% chance that I'm signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I hate this. I don't agree with what Eli Manning did or Bo Jackson or John Elway or any of those guys that tried to pick where they got drafted. But in this scenario... Trevor Lawrence is a guy that is going to win multiple Super Bowls, in my opinion. Jacksonville is just not a winning franchise. And I don't mean any disrespect to the Jags because that 2017 year when they went to the AFC Championship, that was fun to watch. It was cool to see a team that is usually down be great. But with the current ownership and regime that they've got right now, Trevor Lawrence, don't do this to yourself, please. Go somewhere that is going to help you. The Jacksonville Jaguars, since 2010, have won three or fewer games three times. In that same span, they had one winning season. And that was a couple years ago when they went to the AFC Championship. They are more likely to win one, two, or three games than they are to have a winning record. That is garbage. And I understand the point of the draft... It's to make your team better. Take the best player so you won't have those three-win seasons. But, man, starting this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be playing two home games in London. Two. That is not what you want the future face of the NFL to be having to deal with. I'm not trying to send Trevor Lawrence to London. If I'm Roger Goodell, I need Trevor Lawrence here in the States representing our league as the next big star to maybe fight Mahomes for the next 15 years. I don't need him going to London twice a year, man. It's just, it's not a great look. And there's been rumors that the Jags will not be staying in Jacksonville. That team's probably looking to leave. The owner is clearly in it for the money, which good for him. I don't blame him. But there's a good that A lot of people think this team could end up in London. Now, I personally don't think that's possible. I don't see how logistically it would work. I don't think the other owners would approve of it because they don't want to have to send their teams to play in London every year, especially you know, the Texans, Titans, and Colts. Those division teams would have to go to London every single year. I just don't think that's feasible. Their stadium lease is up in 2029. It's only nine years from now. And while Trevor Lawrence could have a nice little eight-year run there, what's going to happen in 2029? if this franchise still kind of just flounders around here and there, does good once in a while, we're going to see this team in maybe Toronto. We might see them in, you know, some some other city here in the continental U.S. Don't send that team to London. Don't send Trevor Lawrence to London. I know it's kind of a, it, it's a bad look, in my opinion, but Trevor Lawrence needs to do the right thing for himself and for the NFL. And say no to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's my soapbox.
3: Fair points. Point.
0: I don't. That, I don't need to see touchdown season going to London twice a year. I
1: hate it. If they send any team over to London, I'm gonna be thoroughly shocked. I like, like you said, I I don't see, I don't see how the Colts, Titans, and Texans would even be okay with that. Like. No. It's going to be so bad, especially some team like the Colts. The Colts are all the way up in Indianapolis. I mean, that's that's a that's a flight, you know, and and Nashville for Tennessee. That's not an easy flight either. Texas is it, it does, that that division is scattered, and it, yeah. it, that's it, it's going to be horrible flights for everybody involved. I I couldn't see how how you're going to send Jacksonville over to London and make teams fly out there. I I, I can't see it.
0: No, I, I don't think it should
1: happen. Um, but with this partnership that they've
0: had. Man, the, the rumors are out there. And uh, I, I just, Trevor Lawrence, don't do this. Don't do this. It's a bad look to, to say no to a team. I get it. But, man, it's an even worse look to be going to London twice a year. So that's my soapbox. You guys can respond.
1: Have All fun. I know is that I'm going to have soapbox next week. <laughs>
0: there you go. Look forward to Will. I believe he has something to say about Jared Goff.
1: Yeah, I will next week. I am definitely going to be talking about how Jared Goff is the worst quarterback on any NFL roster next week, and you can book it. Hey, I, I, I'm with it. I'm not a Jared Goff guy at all. I think he's I, right. I have statistics to prove it, and okay. I will I will make sure to to prove to you that I will. You can list any NFL quarterback, and I will take him over Jared Goff. There
0: you go. Hey, I'm with it. I'm with it. So this is our show. We call it GMs for Hire. Here we are for Matt, Jamil, Will. I'm RJ. Let us know if you like it. Comment below any suggestions, anything you got. Give us some questions. You know, any comments. Maybe we'll mention it in the next show. And we'll start off the show with some questions, some answers for you. Mailbag, if you want to call it that. However you want to do it. Uh, But, yeah, just like, subscribe, leave comments below. And uh, we'll see you next week.
3: Peace. Yeah.